Hi, and welcome to History Makers. I'm Matt Prater. Today we're speaking with Phil and Kath McGee, who are the online pastors at a church called Worship Centre in Carina, Brisbane, Australia. Welcome to History Makers, guys. How are you? Matt, we're excellent. Um, Yeah, doing good. (laughs) It's great to have you guys along. Now, uh, I've got to know you over the last few years. Uh, We've been uh, good Facebook friends. Uh, We've uh, been golfing buddies. (laughs) And uh, just uh, one of the things that I've loved, Phil, is that you are a brilliant networker. You've brought out artists like... uh, I was going to say Aretha Franklin, um, Alfreda, <laughs> Alfreda Mitchell, yep. uh, Transparent, yep. um, uh, preachers like Shane Willard. You're, you're involved with a whole bunch of people in ministry. Uh, for those who don't know much about you guys, let's go back to the beginning to find out a bit about your story. So, Phil, we'll start with you. Wow. Tell us, uh, how did you uh, become a Christian and what was your uh, upbringing like? Uh, mate, well, I was born in the South Island of New Zealand, uh, youngest of 12. I've got... Uh, Eight sisters, three other brothers. Oh, really? Wow, yeah. that's a big family. It is, and uh, the standard joke is, are you Catholic? And no, we're not. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, mate, I always, I suppose, big fish in a small pond. Yeah. And uh, look, when you're 16 and walking down a conservative town with a blonde mohawk when you've got black hair. <laughs> oh, no, I could, have, I could picture you like that. <laughs> um, yeah, and then I progressed to a sort of lycra jump seat, which was multifaceted and multicoloured with uh, sort of waist jackets. Um, yeah, it was time to get out of a small, you know, I mean, love, love the place, go back there occasionally. Then came to Australia, wasn't walking with God. My mum, she was a Salvation Army officer, uh, had a brother who was in the Salvation Army, had a couple of sisters, one was a Baptist, one was Methodist. So... Been around it, been forced to go to uh, Sunday school, whether it was so that uh, to get it from underneath mum's feet so mm-hmm. she could cook the Sunday roast. Unfortunately, got distracted by alcohol and, uh, and that type of world and uh, spent my first two years in Melbourne. And when I got uh, people say, you don't talk much with a Kiwi accent. No, I got sick of spending a lot of time on my back because Kiwis didn't have a good name in Melbourne in those days. Oh, really? So uh, <laughs> tried to lose that. Then decided I was going to leave Melbourne. I was going, heading off to the UK, called into Brisbane to catch up with some family up here, and mate, never left. Never left Brisbane, hey, there you go. Yeah. And uh, tell us, was there a, a conversion experience for you? Did you come to Christ dramatically, or did it happen over a, a period of time? Uh, no, I'd say it was dramatic. It mm. was, uh, yeah, a lot of people sort of say, you know, the statistics are that most people get invited to church. We just rocked up. Uh, I've been a heavy drinker. Well, we all were. We, there was myself and my wife, Kath, uh, brother-in-law, Tony, and uh, Kath's sister, Margaret. We were all heavy drinkers. We had ambitions and we had dreams, but we also played very, very hard. And then one Friday night, Tony used to lecture at uh, Natural Therapies College. He caught one of the guys cheating on an exam. So he sort of, uh, the guy says, hey, you know, um, <laughs> what mm. do I do? And uh, mysteriously, some... Alcohol turned up at Tony's place, and uh, we sat down and drank it. And about, I mean, we were having a big session, and I sort of say this. Not I. Some people say, oh, "You've been a little bit flippant," but we were legless. I mean, seriously, I don't even think Jesus could have got me to walk that night because we were so paralytically inebriated. And I'm not glorifying it, but it just tells you we had a business failure, crying out to God, had thoughts of suicide. 
And then all of a sudden I heard this audible voice and it was just like, it's time for church. Really? Yeah. Okay. So what did you do? Did you go and find the nearest church? That was Friday night. Saturday, got up, rung Margie, the sister-in-law, and says, uh, how's Tony? And she says, still in bed, rather cook. I says, does he remember the deal? Well, actually, just very quickly backtracking, I said that to Tony. I says, Tony, I just feel a need. You know, I says, we've got to go to church. And he goes, well, you pick the church and I'll go. Wow. Unbeknown to me was he was a backslidden older boy. Ah, okay. So uh, Saturday morning rung up and he was mortified that because uh, we'd us as we lived hard and we made some crazy bets and deals with each other. But he says, I'm a man of my word. You pick the church and we'll go. So following morning, Sunday, 9 o'clock, turned up on Scrub Road where they were living at that stage and there were six of us. There was the four parents and, and Margie and Tony's two boys all piled into the one car. We locked the door so there was no escape for anybody. <laughs> but um, So we came out of Scrub Road onto old Cleveland Road, turned left. There was a, a church. Uh, just behind Carondale shops there. We looked there, nothing much happening, and we just went, yep, nah, not this one. And then Margie and I ran about the same time. I remember there was a little church just before the motorway back the other way. So that's what happened. We walked up, hopped out of the car. First people we met were an amazing couple. I don't know if you know them, but Don and Pearl Batham. Mm. And um, they says, are you visiting? Well, we had no idea what that meant because to us, yes, we were visiting. (laughs) And uh, we sat down the back and... uh, then just that was it. The uh, pastor that day preached a prosperity message, which really messed with my way of thinking because I'd never seen or heard about finances for Christians. I thought, you know, to be holy, you had to be poor. And uh, some people get a little bit upset about the prosperity message. But uh, look, it got me in. Mm. And then uh, six weeks later, uh, we kept going back and back and back. Myself and Margie gave, um, you know, what we Pentecostals call made a decision at the altar. And then we went up to the pastor's office and as he was sitting down talking to us and sort of Kath, she decided to make a decision. But hers was a little bit different because she had been um, brought up in the Mormon church. So there was, you know, a whole lot going on. And then six weeks later, Tony came dragon, not really dragon, but um, had a prophet <laughs> out at that time by the name of Rackens McKinley. And um, Ruckins just ministered and just something snapped in Tony. And then there's so many of the family that have now gone that way. It's just... It's well, there's nothing mm. better than seeing salvation come to you and your household. Hey? That's great news. Mm. Uh, that's the word of God, though, isn't it? It's, yeah, uh, that's you know, right. There's still a few more to come, but we keep praying. But it's just amazing the transformation that's happened in the family. Well, you mentioned uh, your beautiful wife, Kath, and welcome to the show, Kath. Thank you. So your story uh, is a little bit different because you were raised uh, with a, a very strong religious faith as a Mormon. So tell us about what your upbringing was like and then how you converted on that day. Yeah. How I came to be part of the Mormon church was through a best friend in primary school. We started to do things together like camps through the Mormon church. They um, do camps and family time, which they're very, very good at, and um, like just spending a lot of family time time together mm-hmm. as as a unit, um, her mum and dad were like my surrogate, mo- oh, mother okay. and father, yeah. because my my mum and dad weren't part of the Mormon church at all. Oh, right. So it was just myself in the family. Mm-hmm. So I was about 12 when all this was happening. So I grew up with it during my primary years at school. And where were you raised? Um, I was all... All over, really, because mum and dad were in the forces. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, so we got moved around a bit, and it wasn't until um, my early teens that we actually settled in a place. 
which was Whalen yeah. in um, New South Wales, the uh, west part of Sydney. Yeah, and uh, we spent our final school years there and uh, we went through primary school together, did a lot of um, activities with the Mormon church. They had dances and parties and youth outreaches and all this that you could get involved with. I asked, I think I was about 16, and I asked mum and dad if I could become a member of the Mormon church. Dad flatly said no, mm-hmm. wait until you're old enough, which was about, you know, 20, 21, yeah. until you knew, you know, what what you're actually doing. So um, we we kept in contact, uh, my girlfriend and I. Um, we When I started work, I've... I think I was about 18, we we separated because she went one way and I went the other way. And then um, it was around the time about when she was getting married, um, we got contact. She contacted me and um, we got together again and we started to do the Mormon mm. family things again and, um, you know, reaching out to the young people and that as they do. And um, then I made a decision, then started to go to church uh, with her and with her family, and I made a decision then to be baptised within the Mormon church. Okay. Now, for those that are listening that don't really know the difference between a Mormon church and, you know, a, a you know Protestant Christian church, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I mean, we've heard in the headlines recently, Israel Folau, who was uh, mm-hmm. formerly the Broncos, is now an AFL player. He's converted yeah. from the Broncos to the AFL. Now, he's also converted from Mormonism to Christianity, goes to Hillsong Church. That's right. Uh, now, some people don't think there's much of a difference between the two. What would you say from your experience within the Mormon church, mm-hmm. what's the difference between the Mormon church and a, and a Protestant Christian church like you're a part of today? The complete difference is that we believe in Jesus Christ is yeah. the Messiah. Uh, they don't. Right, okay. Yeah, their Jesus Christ is a prophet. They have two other doctrines besides the Holy Bible mm-hmm. that they believe in um, a lot more. The Book of Mormon mm-hmm. is their first Book of choice. Right, okay. Yep. The Bible is a supporting documentation. Mm-hmm. It's not their complete doctrine okay. that they follow. They have another book called The Pearl of Pry, which they do take their teaching from as well. All their teaching comes from Salt Lake City in Utah. Um, nothing is prepared by the Holy Spirit as the our teachings as we do in are. Our churches, yeah. Yep. yep. Everything's by the Holy Spirit. Mm. Theirs is completely formatted. Mm. Uh, about 12 months in advance, everything is given to the bishop of that ward, as they call it, mm-hmm. which we parish or church. Yeah, it's um, totally different, totally mm-hmm. different. I, I describe it, when I'm talking to people, I describe it as a um, – when, when you think of a building that um, – an ornate, ornate building that has a beautiful facade to it, you think what's behind that, what's actually in that, reflects the outside of it. But this uh, religion, when you go into it, it's totally different. And you don't get to know what is different until you start climbing the ranks within mm. the church. Mm. So a lot of people just see the facade. They don't actually see what's behind it. 
you know, I dated a young Mormon girl when I was about 16, 17, and uh, her parents were quite high up in the Mormon church in Coffs Harbour where I, I grew up. Mm. And uh, she came along to my, uh, I think I was at a Wesley Methodist church at the time, and it was like a real kind of spirit-filled church, and mm. uh, everyone was on fire for God, and she just couldn't believe the difference. Yeah. Uh, she she really found, you know, she had a touch from God at our church. Yeah. And then her parents said, oh, you're not allowed to go back there, don't you mm-hmm. know, you can't leave us, all that kind of thing, because they're very strong with their families, aren't they? They are. It's mm. more... It's more generational. Yeah. Yeah, if you speak to um, a young adult um, that is a Mormon, they'll say that the, my parents are and my grandparents are. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's generational. It's just because mum and dad are mm. I am mm. sort of thing. Um, they haven't really found who Jesus Christ is mm. um, because I'll tell you how I actually left the Mormon church was um, I became a um, – a young adult state uh, leader. Right. And I was looking after a certain area within um, the church. And um, a couple of Sundays I got asked to take the the young women. And between this time I was asking questions about the Lord, about Christ, um, how come we don't sing about him, which Mm -hmm. they don't. They sing about Joseph the prophet. Really? Wow. Joseph Smith, who's supposed to be the founder of this mm-hmm. uh, religion. Um, and I started to ask questions and I wasn't getting any answers. I was sort of being fobbed off. Mm-hmm. So I started to read uh, the Bible and found out a lot more about mm. Jesus and what he did for his people and the time he spent with his people. I was. On the one Sunday, I was walking up the hallway to take the the young um, adults uh, for their lesson, and I just said, "Lord, show me if you're true. Show me." And in the hallway, as I was walking up, I had a total experience. I had oil from my head to my toes. And I didn't know what it, what the experience was then. I just knew that where I was was wrong. So I just walked out and I hadn't been back since that day. And it wasn't until we came to the Lord in 2000 that, um, that I started to ask what this experience was. And a friend of mine says it was a Holy Spirit. It was the anointing of the Lord. The Holy Spirit actually was covered me in in his oil. So um, that was my experience Mm. with the Lord. Well, Kath, I can definitely see, um, you know, the passion you have for Jesus in your heart and just in your voice. I'm sure our listeners are going, wow, this woman has met Jesus. Uh, And really that's what... The gospel is all about. It's not about rules and religions and traditions mm-hmm. and buildings. It's about a relationship with Jesus. Yeah. Um, Phil, we might just uh, have to wrap it up in a moment, but for those who are listening that maybe aren't Christians or that haven't made a commitment to follow Jesus as Lord and Savior, would you just share with our listeners what is the gospel and how do people respond to it? Matt, I suppose it's one of those questions, how long is a piece of string, because everybody has a different take on on their take on the gospel, but... From where I'm sitting here as somebody that, you know, used to be involved in witchcraft and everything else like that, true light, 
The gospel is the truth. Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins. It wasn't about rules. It wasn't about regulation. It was about prophecy. And it was about that really everybody needs a saviour. Everybody needs a saviour. When we first made a decision, I was working in the liquor industry and I took a lot of ragging because a lot of guys says it's just a crutch. Well, seriously, if I had known it was a crutch, I would have grabbed two of them and I would have grabbed them a whole lot earlier because mm. our life has been totally, totally transformed. Mm. And it doesn't matter who you are, where you are. I never thought 12 years, just over 12 years we've been saved, had the opportunity to travel into many nations. I would not believe the lifestyle we've had. And You know, people go, oh, I don't need God. It doesn't matter how well you're doing. Everybody needs God. Mm. And one day, one thing we can guarantee you is you're going to die. Mm. Everyone dies. Ten out of ten people, doctors say. Mate, absolutely. 100% of people are going to die. And it's about making a decision because wherever you end up, it's for eternity. Mm. And that's a long time. Mm. And you know, I was sharing with one of my nephews who used to walk with the Lord and he goes, yeah, I got hurt in church. I go, mate, you know, look, did you ever get hurt? Did you ever get annoyed with somebody at work? And he goes, yeah. I says, did you ever stop going to work? You know, that's about money. This is about eternity. Mm. And I just really sense there's a guy out there now and you're driving and you're doing it really tough. And you've gone, how easy would it be for me to veer left and crash into that tree and end it all? And I really sense he's in Victoria somewhere, man. And I just so believe, mate, you know who you are. You're never normally listening to the show, but God's orchestrated something amazing. You've got people very close to you that you know are praying for you. Reach out to them, mate. Reach mm. out to them. Mm. And there's a lot of people like that. Life is going to get tougher from the natural, but in the spiritual, you know, that doesn't mean that when you make a decision for Jesus that life is going to be easy. Mm. It just means that you've got somebody else to blame. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give it to I mean, blame is a bad word, but, you know, some Christians go, God, why am I going through this? And you know what? What don't kill you, it does make you stronger. Mm. And uh, we never know. And a lot of us, you know, as Christians, we go through some stuff, and we will never know why we've gone through it until we actually get to heaven and go, wow, so that's what you were doing in my life, God. And uh, uh, if wherever you are, whoever you are, don't give up because Jesus has a plan for your life. And uh, you just never know where you're going to be in 12 years' time. You could be sitting in a radio station talking to Matt Prada for History Makers because your life has so radically changed. <laughs> well, Phil and Kath McGee, I reckon you're a pair of history makers. Thanks, uh, thank you so much for sharing your story. Uh, these guys are the online pastors at Worship Centre in Carina. And uh, you also do a lot of live streaming uh, from your uh, church website. What's the website for people to go to? Mate, www.worshipcentre.com.au. We broadcast any services that are main auditorium. We broadcast out of there around the world. Mm-hmm. We get people in Finland, Amazing. government-controlled areas, uh, America, mm-hmm. uh, even people that are actually sick and can't make it into church. And, uh, you know, we actually archive three months' worth of services oh, there. Oh, great. So we have uh, prayer requests. You can sort of email us live mm-hmm. and things like that. Look, if, if you are, wherever you are, just come in and check us out one day, live or on archives, email us, because seriously, you know, God is into technology. Yeah. He gave the idea for it, so he's into it, and we can use it to change the world. And uh, for a lot of missionaries out there, it is their church, man, mm. because uh, they don't know, you know, they can't get into church. So, yeah, worshipcenter.com.au, and uh, I'm quite sure you'll, uh, yeah, you'll, you'll be blessed. Well, Phil and mm. Kath, thank you so much for sharing your story with us today. God bless. Thank Thanks, you. Matt. Thanks thank for you. the opportunity. 
Thanks so much for joining us on History Makers today. You know, the vision of History Makers is to spread the good news of Jesus Christ through conversation to the nations of the world. We're now on over 58 radio stations around Australia and Pacific nations, and we're so excited about the opportunity we have to broadcast the good news on the airwaves. If you would like to make a donation, please go to our website, historymakersradio.com. There you can also download interviews. We've got some great web links and some great information for you about following Jesus. So please go to historymakersradio.com. I'm Matt Prater. God bless. Go and make history. History Makers.